0: Yeah, good morning and welcome to Monday's Experts. Again, it's an opportunity in this segment, one of my favourite segments of the week, where we can find out a little bit about the story behind a name. And for mine, he's one of the biggest names in Australian racing, especially with punters and just general racing enthusiasts. They see in the form guide W. Pike and I tell you what, uh, they're going to be seeing a lot more of it. Uh, and they just cotton on, and they love having a little wager on him. And uh, well, who can forget some of his big rides there in the West and some of the scenes afterwards? And we might even see that over the Sydney Carnival. He's my guest today on Monday's Experts. G'day, William. Hey, Dave. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Really good to chat with you on Monday's Experts. It's a, as I said in the, in the opening, it's a, an opportunity for people to find out a little bit about the story behind the name. I, I uh, I want to take you right back to the start, mate. Um, Where you were born and the first time you sat on a horse, if you can remember it. Uh,
1: Well, I was born uh, in Kalgoorlie and grew up in a little country town just out of Kalgoorlie called Coolgardie. Um, can't necessarily remember the first time I sat on a horse, but I definitely remember my first... um, I was very lucky as a kid, I I had ponies and things from an early age, so I had a... Had a pony called Sally
0: from when I was eight years old. Sally, eight years old. So there was there was always horses around in the family. i uh,
1: yeah, on and off. My parents had had a couple of just pleasure horses on and off at different times, and um, yeah, I suppose it must be where I picked up the habit.
0: Did uh, did they? You know, did did you go to the races as a, as a youngster? Did they have you in and around horse racing, or was that something that happened? Later in life, uh, once you obviously, you know, got to the point of, of wanting to get into racing or be a jockey.
1: No, I'd never, I'd never set foot on a racetrack before. Um, I'd always just done sort of riding out in the bush and just enjoyed uh, my ponies and and my friends that uh, had other ponies. And yeah, I'd never set foot on a racecourse until um, until I met my eventual boss who who took me. Uh, took me away and I well, went out on a race course then.
0: That was the first time. Wow, okay. So we'll get to that in a minute. So you're growing up in Kalgoorlie as a kid. What was life like growing up back then in Kalgoorlie?
1: Oh, I loved it. Um, so obviously so there's a little town outside of Kalgoorlie called Coolgardie, And I suppose um, everyone else probably didn't like it, but but I loved it. We used to just go straight out our back back gate and we could ride motorbikes, we could ride anything, go to our friends' houses non-stop. There was, um, yeah, we just got to walk out the back gate and uh, go exploring if we wanted, and I loved it. It was great
0: fun. And, of course, they were the days when you could just disappear and say to the oldies, I'll see you back at sunset. There was no, you know, mobile phones or anything like that tracking you where you are.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think the the one rule, we just had we had to let the parents know where we were and what time we were getting back, but um, I suppose where we were varied throughout the day, so as long as we were home by five o'clock to have
0: dinner, uh, everything was okay. Well, what about school? What were you like in school, mate? Did you enjoy school? Well, I mean, you know, we hear about sometimes about, you know, uh, jockeys being athletes that they could have gone on and done other things or, you know, wanted to play league or cricket or AFL being from the West. I mean, did any of that cross your mind or what about uh, acad- academia-wise, you know, um, were, were, you, were you wanting to be something else away from a jockey as a youngster?
1: Uh, no, not really. I didn't. I didn't really have any aspirations of what I wanted to be. Uh, I come from a mining family, and I just assumed I would uh, end up working in the mine somewhere. Um, I was a very average student at best. Um, I didn't. I didn't dislike school. I actually quite enjoyed school, but I obviously I disliked doing the school work. So uh, <laughs> school was fun because my friends were there. But I was pretty. I had a couple of subjects where I was okay at, and the rest I, I scraped through.
0: How about okay? So you're you're growing up. You mentioned that you met your boss at the time. Tell us who that boss was, and, and how did that um, how did that apprenticeship start?
1: Uh, so through through my ponies and riding, uh, my uncle lived in Perth, and I used to go to his on his place on school holidays, and um, he knew. He knew a person called Jack Cockle and just one day he said oh, I want you to meet someone. Never really said anything, never said I want you to try and be a jock or anything. So um so he took me and introduced me to a person called Jack Cockle. And uh I went away with him actually for a, a three day meeting at um Mikatara I think it was. So they raced Saturday, have Sunday off and then raced Monday and I went along for that trip. In the, in the back of the truck with uh, my boss-to-be, Jack Coffle and I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I wanted to sign up from uh, the moment I got home.
0: What, uh, before I talk about, you know, why it was so fantastic, What were your, were your, were your parents keen on, on your game because it was a bit foreign to them in terms of, you know, that they are in the mining game, and, you know, were they sort of... Uh, supportive, obviously, you know, at the start saying, yeah, okay, well, there's this opportunity, but um, did they think anything would eventuate from it?
1: No, I think they were quite unsure, but uh, they they never once said I couldn't, or they always gave yeah. me their full support, but I'm pretty sure they they were, they were unsure about it, and um, because, obviously, I left school quite early, I, I think I uh, finished year nine and then left, so it wasn't... Um, I think I was quite 15
0: when I left. So,
1: wow. Yeah, so I was quite young. So I suppose that might have been daunting for them, but I was dead keen on it and never never really gave them an option, I guess.
0: Yeah. What What was it about that trip away? What, what was it that, that just uh, got you so excited? Was it uh, just being in and around the horses, or what What feel did well, you get?
1: Well, it had a bit of everything for me. So it was, um, you yeah, know, we, we all went away... In the in the trucks and it was, it was basically a bit of camping mixed with mixed with racing and and mixed with good people so um, so obviously the race horses and that were there and that was that was the reason we were all there but to go with it you, you camped out you um, you met, you, know, you sat around campfires with people talking and it was a very sort of low-key no pressure approach to racing and uh, you know I know I just enjoyed that it was Whenever I was a kid, I went camping whenever
0: I could, and things like that. So I kind of combined everything I liked: horses and camping and outdoors. Fantastic. And let's fast forward. So uh, you start your apprenticeship, and what was the early early period like? Because uh, there's, I think, a lot of people uh, that that in the racing game, uh, especially those that aren't, you know, in stables and whatnot, they don't realise, you know, how how bloody hard these apprenticeships are and and the work you do.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I was probably pretty lucky in that regard because I was uh, my boss, Jack Cockle. He wasn't. He didn't have a lot of numbers, so I, I didn't actually probably work as hard as some of these other guys out there. I've, I've seen some of them. They really do have to work their backsides off. Uh, but I was probably lucky in in that regard that we didn't have a big team, and I wasn't worked to the bone. I was, I was actually. I think the first half of my apprenticeship is is quite. Tricked on me and, and made sure he got a lot of things in place that he wanted, and then I tell you what, probably the last twelve months I was probably the most uh, protected apprentice going around. He, he let me sleep in, and uh, he was very good to me in the end. Uh, he was my boss.
0: What about your first win? Do you remember the first win you had?
1: Yes, I do. Yep. Yeah.
0: What was it? What was its name?
1: I tell you, it was uh, carry a gun at a place called Norseman.
0: And do you do you remember do you remember the race like it was yesterday? Uh
1: I, I, yeah, I remember. I only really remember a few things. Uh, I remember the sound of the horses' hooves on the ground because there was no grass at this track; it was a, a dirt track. And uh, I remember the sound of the hooves hitting the ground, and I remember roaring like roaring my backside off trying to wheel the horse <laughs> over the line. Um, <laughs> that's probably the main things I took away from it: the, the noise of the hooves and and just
0: and roaring. Really just
1: Roaring at the horse Trying to get
0: it to, to run faster At the time uh, When you're growing up I remember You know I always wanted to be You know A, a rugby league commentator And when I was a kid I'd, I'd listen to Well not just rugby league commentator But any sports commentator So I'd listen to Dennis Committee Bruce McEvaney Ray Warren And what about yourself As a, as a young apprentice jockey Who What jockeys were you looking up to Or looking at their style Or technique And, and sort of thinking You know Gee I'd love to be like them one day
1: um, I probably didn't do an awful lot of that sort of thing. I, when I was an apprentice, my boss was was God to me, and um, I did I lived off his every word. So if he mentioned to try something, then I would do that. Yep. But I, I will say um, my style probably followed along the lines of a Stephen Miller, and uh, I always idolised Paul Harvey. He was just the king. When I was an apprentice, he was just the king, and he could go out and control a race from any position. I used to love watching him, uh, you know, go out and do his thing. Uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say I, I moulded myself around then, but I definitely, I definitely took after Stephen Miller's style and I really enjoyed watching Paul Harvey race.
0: And yeah.
1: I was very naive as an apprentice. Um, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really look past my own, um, Boundary. So I looked in my own state. I, I know there was a lot of fantastic riders around at the time, but if it wasn't in my area, then I didn't worry about it. So yeah. probably didn't end up looking up to your Damien Olivers and things like that at the time because I was I was too infatuated with uh, with our riders and and what was around my little world.
0: Well, let's talk about that that, that world. So uh, your apprenticeship uh, uh, comes to an end. How hard is it? Um, for for, the, for jockeys to take that step from being an apprenticeship to being an, a fully-fledged rider? Uh,
1: it's extremely hard. Uh, I went from being a whiz apprentice, getting off rides on just about everything, um, and then as soon as I lost my one-and-a-half kilo, um, people seemed to sort of forget your phone number. So I went from riding for all, all our bigger trainers and having a lot of success to then having to go right back to basics and, and ringing all the guys that uh, that first gave me a go. and uh, But I, I did get lucky that uh, at one stage there, uh, Paul Harvey, as I said, was the king. He ended up having a fallout with Lindy Smith, and he picked me back up and got me going again. so yeah, But the, I tell you, I think I did about three months there where I, I went right back to basics.
0: Did you think about at any point? Uh, and I've had this conversation with other jocks. So when I've spoken with Tommy and whatnot, uh, Tommy Berry, like, did you think about uh, giving it away, or did you think, geez, okay, this is—is is this have I pulled the right rein here? Am I doing what I should be doing? Because you come from that, you know, as you said, instant—you know, well, not instant success, but you're flying, and then it's a big thud back to reality, isn't it? Yeah, it was,
1: but I've, no, never any thoughts. It probably never got that bad for me, so um, yeah, I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't hit those lows. Uh, It was just. It was more just a a reality check from everything was all too easy to things got a lot harder. But never ever thoughts thoughts of giving it away never ever crossed my mind.
0: You mentioned though that a good opportunity you had from Lindsay. Uh, Do you remember your big? biggest uh win at the time and what was the what was the one win when you look back and sort of go right okay that 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 started a bit of a snowball effect and things just started to progress from there
1: um i don't know if it was i don't know if it was a one win in particular but i know uh, i suppose like um for for me a few probably more from probably more for me than anyone else like Moments where you start to believe, where you think you could be pretty good at this. Uh, I got an opportunity in a Perth Cup, and I got to win that quite early, and that was probably the main race that sort of made you start to believe. Uh, probably the only way I can really put it. I never really worried about if what other people thought if I could do it or not. It's more probably just been within myself whether or not I thought I could do it.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, you, you continue to achieve. What about your association with? Mr. Peters, when did that when did that start? Was that did you ever ride for him as a as an apprentice, or was his training uh, regime? I don't know the the in depth history of of his ownership, but I mean, has he been in Perth as you were an apprentice riding through, or did it sort of start after that?
1: No, he he's been a constant throughout my entire career. He he gave me a real good go as an apprentice, and obviously and and beyond, but um no. So the the relationship started um, back when Lindsay Smith had them. And yep. As, as I said, I was very, very naive as a kid. So I was riding in the country at the time, so I only cared about the country. And uh, so one day, Lindy Smith rang me up and offered me five rides at, at Northern. And when I hung up, my good friend at the time, Ikanushi, he said, oh, who was that? And I said, oh, Lindy Smith... Um, offered me five rides, and he, he nearly jumped out of the car and thought how fantastic it was, and I said, oh, that, that's good, I've got five, and he, I actually had no idea what it meant, and I think four of those five rides were for Bob Peters, and um, I got off to a very slow start for Mr. Peters. It took me quite a while to get my first winner, but, um, yeah, he stuck with me, and, yeah, things started to unfold a lot better further on.
0: Yeah. Was it daunting riding? I mean, you mentioned you were naive at the time, so I probably didn't dawn on you, but did you ever, did it ever sink in? Like, it's, it's, it's daunting. I mean, he's, a, he will go down as, in fact, I read an actual stat in terms of owners in the world. I think your most successful owner is, um, uh, Godolphin. Um, and then I think followed underneath there's another, um, you know, European owner. And then I think you'll find Mr. Peters in terms of uh, it might be Group One wins actually. I'll have to go back and double check, but he's he's right up there in terms of owners. And I mean, he's just a private business; that's his own entity. So, did it sink in at the time the enormity of of the the opportunity that you were getting, and I guess the the privilege to wear those silks?
1: Yeah, no, it didn't. Not one bit. Um, I was just happy to get to get a ride and to go out and do my best. It didn't. Didn't matter what colours I was wearing, I, I just went out and had a had a red hot go. And in my mind, I just went, "Oh, that's good. I've got five five chances to try and win a race." So I, I had no idea that the significance of it or or anything like that.
0: What about later in life? Uh, before we jump back to some of those brilliant horses you rode for, obviously um, Mr. Peters and Mr. Durand etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you did do a bit of travelling, so obviously your, your career is starting to flourish there in in Ascot or in WA. Uh, You're riding many winners. Um, You decided to go to Singapore for a bit and you spent a little bit of time in Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Hong Kong came first. Um, Things were going well. I think I'd won a premiership or two and um, an offer come from Hong Kong and same thing again, so it wasn't my jurisdiction and when they rang I actually thought it was someone playing a prank phone call on me, so I uh, I was kind of, I was a bit short on the phone and didn't give them much to go off of. And uh, <laughs> luckily for me, they they rang back again the next day and said there might have been a bit of confusion and went through it again. It was, was kind of dawned on me then, well, maybe it wasn't a prank call. Uh, so, yeah, one thing led to another and I, I went and tried my hand over at Hong Kong, which was it was, a, it was a really good experience, a very, uh, very tough experience because uh, I suppose... Uh, in, in WA, I, I'd come through and I'd had a lot of relationships and I knew how the system worked and then got thrown into Hong Kong where I had no idea how the system worked and people didn't know where Western Australia was. So it was quite yeah. a difficult time.
0: I mean, the boy from Kalgoorlie in Hong Kong, I mean, you mentioned before about having that opportunity to, to go out your backyard and, and gallivant around on bikes, horses, etc. to... One of the most condensely populated places on the globe. How, how did you go? Um, did, obviously, you're not there anymore. You're back. Um, yeah, obviously here in Sydney now. But at the time, we did you get a bit claustrophobic? Was it just too much? No, not
1: at all. Um, back then, or even probably even still a bit now. Like, <clears throat> it probably wouldn't matter if I lived in a tin shed. If I've got horses to ride, uh, you know, you focus on your job. So. I'm not, at home I have plenty of land and things to move because that's what I felt like doing but, um, you know, when I was in Hong Kong I had my job to do so, uh, you know, my bed was just a place to sleep, it didn't matter too much to me so I did have a lot obviously to adjust to and uh, try and figure out was one of my main issues but I, I slowly got there and I had a little bit of success at the end but. Um, it wasn't claustrophobic. I didn't mind the experience at all. I enjoyed it, and once I once I relaxed into it, I actually really did enjoy uh, the city and and how it worked. And but uh, yeah, it was, as I said, the horses were there were my priority, and where I slept didn't really matter, or how condensed it, it didn't matter. The horses yeah. mattered.
0: Did that uh, did that mindset obviously? So obviously, I'm sensing, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, your mindset changed because obviously you said you went from. Um, you know, you know, being in that sort of mindset of wherever you were at the time, you were focused on that. Um, but obviously, too, I'm presuming in your life, you, you, it sounds like you've never lost where you've come from. You've never lost that country boy inside. So, uh, did, did it flick over in your mind that, right, actually, I've got an opportunity here to one, make a lot of money, to two, you know, look after my family, three, ride really good horses, and, and obviously be the best I could be. Did it, was there a switch in your mind about it all? no
1: it''s st- it still the same it's still the same thinking like, like I said when i was when I was in the country or western Australia, whenever wherever I was, I only thought about the horses that I needed to ride, and it was the same thing when I was in Hong Kong I didn't really think about what it could lead to or or um anything like that. I was just there and I was just doing my best
0: fantastic We're chatting with William Pike this morning on our Monday's experts segment william um how did you like the attention, uh, especially in the the later years, in terms of uh, you know back pike, drink what you like? The, the 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 it really was something that started to build with the with social media, and I think also too the expansion of WA racing into our homes, and you know the fact that people can can follow races anywhere around the world these days. Uh, you really you got that cult following. Did you love it? I
1: definitely took a lot to get used to. Um
0: yeah,
1: I'm starting to get the hang of it. I, I, it is nice when I when had a few of those good days where uh, things went went well and there was a line of people on the fence chanting. It was I'd be lying if I said it wasn't um, a good feeling and I really enjoyed it. But it was... Uh, even now, I still find it quite awkward and uh, it's a bit strange that people are chanting my name, but uh, at the same time, I like it because it means something good happened that day.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, let's talk about the the latter years when you return back to to Perth, and obviously you're riding in those uh, silks, those cerise and uh, cerise and white uh, for obviously Mister Peters, and also you were riding other horses as well for other connections over there in Perth. But you've ridden some unbelievable horses. Have you got a best?
1: Oh, yeah, the best for me is easily Arcadia Queen. She's the best horse I've sat on. Um, I got to ride a lot of uh, really nice horses, obviously. And it wasn't wasn't just the horses that I enjoyed. It was the whole system that Mr Peters has created. And I sort of got to know the system, how he comes through, brings his two-year-olds through with preparations and and watching how... Uh, never at any stage did he sacrifice trying to win the goal and his goal would be a railway stakes or, or something along those lines whatever he bred his horse for he never deviated off of that even when the horse might not have been showing much there was never a temptation to to change anything because it was always heading a certain way and that was probably one of the things I really enjoyed about riding for Mr Peters he he was more focused and more driven than all of us and in a way that it kept all um, kept everyone else around him on track as well.
0: Yeah, so some of those, I mean, oh. I remember uh, a recent video that popped up about Arcadia Queen and, like, the, I think you debuted her back in 2018 after, you know, what, a couple of trials or three trials there at, at Belmont over 1,200 and she just went whoosh and she was obviously a short price favourite. I mean... From that early point, because you're dealing with a gentleman like Mister Peters, did you sort of go right? Okay, this is this is going to be a horse that um, you know is going to win a Group One. Did she give you what was it about her feel and her demeanour?
1: Well, early on, if you're going to know, no one knows that she's going to be Arcadia Queen early on. Um, all you know is she's one of the stars of the batch. They they come through in batches, and she's a star of her batch. And we know that she's well above average and she's one of our main picks but so many things have to go right for them to turn into the, the stars that they eventually be but um all we all i could really tell you about her early on is she was always well fancied we all we all knew she was a good one but how good uh is kind of you know that that uh, many things have to go their way and you know a lot of a lot of things have to change but um just, I think the time that I realised how good she could be was uh, after one of her spells. She come back into work and she was just this enormous ball of muscle, and you could just see her presence. Um, yeah, round, round about then, went after she, I think it might have been after a three-year-old campaign, or she actually spelled, and she just looked absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you knew you were dealing with something else then.
0: That's unbelievable. I mean, it's quite extraordinary too. That first prep, really. Um, I know she had a a gap in between September and October, but she pretty much went from a Belmont maiden um, in September, late September, into then a one Metro win there at Ascot over 1,400, where she won short. And then straight from that, she jumps into the, I think, Burgess Queen, then went to the Champ Phillies, WA Guineas, and then obviously wins a Kingston Town. And, um, you know, obviously the rest is history. Came over here to Sydney and then... Uh, to come back and then win as an older uh, mayor. Um, what was your, one of your highlight runs on it? Would it be that uh, that one of the, that Group 1 Caulfield stakes there in, in Melbourne where you got to beat, you know, the boom horse, Russian Camelot?
1: Yeah, I think that definitely was. Um, obviously, I was coming across uh, people who had a lot of um, expert. Well,
0: how do I put it? I don't
1: know. People, I suppose there's a lot of doubt around things. Going on, and um, yeah, yeah, and Russian Camelot had beat us at our previous start. Uh, it, it was it was definitely one of my most satisfying wins, not because I beat Russian Camelot, but because of a few things leading up to it, and and even just the horse in herself. I, I rode her more to what I thought she uh, what she liked, and it was all, all just a little plan that all came together, and we um, we all pulled it off. So it was very satisfying. And then, obviously, to beat the horse that had beat us the previous start um, was always yeah, always
0: nice. What about this last Perth Summer Carnival that just went? Um, an extraordinary achievement for yourself, for, obviously, Grant and Alana and also Mr Peters. I mean, to win all those races right through, that's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, we're, we've been having a very good run and a lot of success for a few years. And um, I think... Everyone's gotten very well drilled at being able to target our three races now. So um, we don't have the we don't have the luxury of having a lot of lot of options as far as our big races go. So that meant we all had to get pretty good at trying to trying to pick off the few that were there. And um, yeah, things have gone well. Uh, I probably should have had all three, but I, I yeah. didn't get the Kingston Town. I, I could have done better there, but uh, it was still. I was able to get a winter-bottom stake, which since yep. it turned into a Group 1, it eluded me. I hadn't even got warm in the race, really. I've, I think I'd run a second, maybe. Uh, so that was definitely one I wanted to get on the board. So I was pretty happy that I was able to get the winter-bottom stakes, but uh, missing out on the Kingston Town definitely stung a bit.
0: What do you find... Uh, is the, the biggest difference between racing there in Perth and, say, the racing you've experienced here in Sydney? We, and I'm more talking from a jockey point of view here. Um, obviously, we've got some great riders over there in Perth and what they're achieving, but you've now... In fact, you've experienced Melbourne racing in the carnival time as well. Um, they're all on par. I don't want you to sort of say, oh, this one's better than the other, but what do you find is most different about riding here in Sydney? Well, it's,
1: it's not so much the different, but I'll, all I can really say is there's just more. If I'm comparing it directly to Western Australia, there's just more. So in Western Australia, we've got we've got say five good horses and and three good riders. It's not not saying they're not others aren't, but like in their top of their top of their game at the time. Whereas then you come over the east and it and it and it explodes out of that. There's there's, no, there's only enough room in Western Australia for so many to be good. Even even if you have a superstar horse, there's only three races you can aim on that. So you either get it or you don't. So here, there's just more. So there's more good riders, there's more good horses, there's more good trainers, and then it obviously just makes the competition so much fiercer.
0: Are you enjoying your time in Sydney?
1: Yeah, it's not raining today, so uh, (laughs) I'm enjoying today, actually. uh, It was really good. I come here... it's been, really, it's been really good, but then it started raining, and that
0: was about three weeks ago, <laughs> and it just didn't stop. Hopefully it does stop for you soon. I was chatting uh, with Chris Roots, one of the journos, and he said that when he interviewed you or had a chat with you, your, your gear was still wet, uh, wet and dried out from the previous week, and you were going, this is unbelievable, I've come from like the, the hottest summer ever in Perth, and now it's just raining here. Yeah, that's right. I was I was hanging my gear out
1: in the garage to try and dry, but it just won't dry. It's um, time <laughs> so it
0: was uh, it's completely bizarre. How does it feel, too? Uh, I mean, William, to the fact that obviously we know why you're here in Sydney, and I don't really want to talk about that. I mean, you're probably sick of talking about that. But from a from a the perspective that you know a. a a person like John Hawks and his sons, Michael and Wayne, uh, so respected and such good uh, horsemen, those three gentlemen. The fact that they pretty much, you know, helped sound you out and really wanted to get you across here. I mean, that you've obviously ridden for Mr Peters and you've ridden for other big uh, people in Australia, but to, to have someone like the Hawks family sort of saying, mate, come over here and we'll support you, that must have been quite satisfying.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's... Um uh, you know, how, how I've sort of pinched myself how lucky I am that uh, I can come across to such a competitive environment, and, uh, and and have such good support that uh, you know that, that makes all the difference when you when you're coming across and trying to get established and you got you got some people there that are throwing the weight behind you and, and showing you the ropes and and genuinely sort of giving you a re- giving you a really good go. So uh, you know, how lucky am I?
0: yeah it's 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 outstanding and great to see you as well. I saw you up there in tamworth uh you know riding obviously not uh you know you you you're still the country boy at heart and I think that's great uh, I know you'd used to would go home there and when you would ride in Kalgoorlie on big days there and we'd sometimes see you popping up around sort of country uh western Australia so that's great that you can get out and support those clubs here and and get those rides and create a bit of marketing for them yeah
1: i look um <laughs> As I said, I find it a bit awkward and uh, hard, you know, hard to comprehend that that me going somewhere could help, could help, uh, help. But uh, if if it does help, and uh, then that's that's great. Um, I'm glad that I'm glad that I'm able to help in some way. Um, but at the same time, I was I was, I was a really, you know, I still look at it as it was a I was there to ride horses and do a job, and yeah, if someone else can benefit off it along the way, well, that that's good.
0: How's your family going, mate? Um, borders are open now, so is there an opportunity that your family can come across to, to Sydney for these these big carnival days?
1: Yeah, they're they're on their way. Um, they're still sorting Fantastic. things out at home, and um, I think the kids are just—I think they're doing a couple of semesters of school before uh, they head over, and it, it just it's sort of one of those things—they're coming, but it, it's trying to find a good time to, to actually pack up and go is. Probably finding it a little bit harder than for me I'm here I'm I'm doing what I've got to do but they're probably finding it a bit harder to actually find a good time to leave between the kids and packing the house up and things like that so yeah they are on their way but when they actually get here I don't
0: know so you so you've made a decision in your mind to to actually like to stay here permanently I mean I'm not suggesting those rules may change in Perth but um, you you really want to you you want to stay here in New South Wales, or if they did change, you you look at going back?
1: No, I'm I'm here for now. Um, yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm I don't know a time limit. Um, I'm here right now, and I'm going to give it a red hot crack. And I'm going to give it I'm going to give it it's time to unfold to, to see if I can make it or see if I can stand the the test of time here for at least at least. Well, I'm going to give it at least twelve months before I consider any other options and then uh, yeah, I suppose in 12 months I'll, I'll, I'll look at it how it's going if uh, if things have gone well, well then I suppose I'll hang around if they haven't gone too good then I might go go running back home.
0: Mate that's bloody exciting because uh, as I said you're going to get these opportunities you're in a good spot you've already proven I mean we, we know you can ride um, it's not a matter of, of questioning your skill it's just really if you can get on the good cattle I mean we see how competitive that Sydney Jockeys Room is, and we see some jockeys don't getting winners all the time, and that's not because they can't ride; it's just because they don't have the cattle underneath them. Um, but yep. uh, it's it's exciting, mate, because you are popping up on Saturdays now. I saw we, we saw you on uh, that uh, good Hawks horse the other day in the distance race. Uh, it starts for Z Zerek, uh, which Zerek. you got the chocolates on, yeah. And um, Danny Williams also you picked up that winner for, um, you know, in, in the Shall Highway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, j- just on on that, I mean, I know you're obviously <laughs> staying at Tommy's place uh, and, you know, it, you, obviously I'm mates with Tommy, so I'm probably biased here, but there's a bloke who um, who's, you know, giving you advice and whatnot, and yet he is competing with you for those same rides. So I think um, I can't speak highly enough of Tommy, mate, and I hope he's looking after you. He's got plenty, so don't let him, don't let him shout you anything, <laughs> all right? <Or> d- <laughs> no, no, as I said, I'm
1: actually a very lucky person all around, like, to step into a competitive environment like that and have uh, have one of the hoops sort of giving give uh, I don't know. Like it sort of just sort of giving me the heads up. I wouldn't say he's necessarily helping as such, but it m- makes a big difference when, uh, say, going to the races for the first time. You you follow you follow the guy you follow the you know I get to follow Tommy to the jockeys' room because I have no idea where the jockeys' room is. Uh, just little things like that instead of walking around half lost you yeah. walk somewhere with a bit of purpose and it uh you know
0: makes a big difference it was like the kid at school mate for the first time you've at least got someone there that can show you around you got to do your best um That's but right. you know you, you um, you're not alone mate uh before i let you go they're chatting i chatted with mr peters during the week on my radio program and look i'm i don't know what's going to happen with jockeys but he mentioned that inspirational girl who's gonna you know obviously have a start down south he'd love to see her and maybe a few of his other horses come to sydney and i mean you've ridden inspirational girl what an unbelievable i think it was 2020 you won the railway on her um when you slice through the middle there i mean you've been on her back i know you haven't been for a little while but um from what you see up here in sydney and especially for these summer bigger races she's She's very high class. She's up to it here, surely.
1: Yeah, well, definitely. Um, the way she won uh, on the weekend definitely proves that. Um, I think like off of a slow speed and having to chase so hard like that, I, I would have thought that would be the hardest way to, for her to win a race and she was still able to do it. So uh, that was good to see as well because um, she's been good to me in the past. And it was good to see her um, step up. Come, you know, come over against the, the big guys and, and step up again. So that was fantastic. And, and, and maybe, hopefully, down the track, I might be able to, to you know, reunite with her and try and team up for a
0: win. That'll be fantastic. Worm. it's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. It's nice to hear some of that story behind how you started and, uh, and obviously, you know, your, your passion for the horse and the fact that you are here and you're prepared to dig in. And I'm sure plenty of punters across New South Wales listening to this and also, too, Racing fans, wherever they may listen to this podcast, um, we will we'll tip their hat to you, mate. Um, well done, and thanks for coming on.
1: No host, Thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, we'll see how it all pans out.